All right, welcome to another Pro Football Doc Sports Injury Central podcast here. Very special guest and friend, I could say that, right? Ariel, known you for a while. Uh, we actually connected uh, when I was in New York for a little bit in person, which was fun. And uh, you're always off doing a bigger and better things. We got to know each other from football and your prop plays, the prop queen and, and what have you in Sports Injury Central. Now you're on to football, but also a lot of MLB stuff. You're everywhere. So, Ariel, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Dr. Chow. I know we got to meet up when you came to New York, uh, what, over the winter, I think it was? Yeah, it was a, it was our annual kid Christmas trip, you know, uh, Rockefeller Center, this, that, the other uh, kind of thing. So, yeah, it was fun. It was good. And you went to the football game that day, and you were kind enough to meet up afterwards. That was nice. I uh, yeah, I tend to um anytime the Ravens came to town, which last year we had the Giants and the Jets at MetLife. I'll probably go to one or two games this year. I hate when the calendar though doesn't really align with my calendar. The Ravens should really check in with what I'm doing. I can't go until December because of so many stupid weddings. You're not allowed to get married football season people. I know people that won't go. I just have way too much of a conscience. I have to show up to these weddings for good friends. However, it's wrong. Well, my dodge is it's very hard to do a Sunday not from the war room because of all the TVs and the staffing that we have and the replays. So right now, uh, the kids will never see this. They'll never know. But I'm trying to dodge and plan a uh, Disney cruise. But it has to be back by Sunday, right? It's right. one thing to, to to miss a Thursday night game and you know, they're streaming and whatever. The kids are the right age. So I have to dodge Sundays and uh, going to football games. Friends invite me, hey, why don't you come? We got this, that, the other. I'm like, I can't go on Sunday. It has to be a Thursday or Monday one-off game for me to, mm -hmm. <laughs> otherwise right. there's just and too much stuff going on. TV has created this world with Sunday ticket if you're not at a one o'clock or four o'clock game, you miss so much. They also black you out when you're in a stadium. You can't watch on your phone whenever you want to watch Sunday ticket, at least the old way. Um, so we'll see how things change. But you're right. A Sunday one o'clock game, you've really got to be a diehard fan to go. You know, what I'm worried about with the streaming, right, and YouTube and whatever is how are they going to do in-game props? I mean, I remember being at... I guess the last Super Bowl that I attended in person from the press box was in Miami, Chiefs and 49ers. And literally what was on the TV screen in the press box was what the feed was going out to the public. And literally we would watch a kickoff. It'd be a touchback. Everyone would run off the field. The offenses and defense would come on the field in the huddle. They'd almost be breaking the huddle. And then the kickoff would happen on the TV screen. And if you have a streaming or whatever delay, how's that going to work with, with in-game wagering? The next play is a pick or a touchdown or a strip sack? I mean, how in the world are people going to deal with YouTube if there is a delay in the streaming? There's going to be a delay, Dr. Chow. I watched YouTube TV from my friend's house last year for the football games. It was terrible. It was about two minutes behind on every play. Hopefully, YouTube TV gets their act together. It's more on par like Amazon. 
I still am concerned. The sports books are going to be ahead. The sports books have access to all the live programming from inside the stadiums. That's how the sports books get ahead of us as just the normal consumer. We don't have that kind of access. Now we're going to be a minute or two behind what is actually happening in the game. The way people are going to have to follow all of those live props and lines, they're going to have to follow the sports books themselves. Even if I watched on DirecTV Sunday Ticket like I have for the last decade, whenever I would see on the sports book, I would see the touchdown go up still about five to ten seconds before I would see the touchdown take place on my TV. Won't shock me if it's a minute that goes by. You're going to have to really follow the game on some kind of you know websites they have, all this live action that's second by second. Maybe even some kind of Twitter or any kind of like looking at the sports book. A lot of them show you um, like the actual field, kind of like a game day. Like if anyone's familiar with that on ESPN, where you can follow things via game day, they'll have the field and they'll show you where they are on the field. You might have to follow that at least until we see how much the delay really is going to impact the new YouTube TV. Well, I know that's going to be interesting. And, 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 you know, I always, you know, make, uh, uh, you know, the best out of, you know, lemonade out of lemons. And if that really is the case, that's going to be terrible for the delayed wagering and, and so forth. But in California, it's not even legal anyways. Uh, so it's not an issue, but it might actually help us in the war room, Ariel, because then we'll know a minute ahead of time based on Twitter, that the wide receiver is going down. And instead of in the, in the old school way, direct TV, we'd have it all recorded. We rewind and look at it. Oh, the injury just happened to look at it. Now we say, okay, in the next play or the next minute, so-and-so is going to go down and let's take a look and we'll actually see it to what other people see it live. And you don't, think we're, really, that don't think we're really fast. You know? It reminds <laughs> me, the Yankee COO, Lon Trost, I've known him now for almost 10 years because he was the one that gave me my Yankees internship. Every year I go to his office and I watch a couple of innings with him once or twice a season, go there, we catch up, chat. I was sitting in there this year. It was the first time I noticed it. Or maybe I just finally had the balls to ask him, like, what is going on on his TV? I heard the crowd cheering outside of his office. He doesn't have a stadium view. He's in the stadium, but his view is of like the outside. It's not of the field. He has a big TV in his office. I look up at the TV, hearing the cheering. Nothing happened yet. You would think because every TV in the stadium is right on par or like a second off from what's happening on the field because they have that in stadium, you know, it's not a delay kind of thing. Lon Tross, the CEO of the Yankees, has his TV on a delay on purpose because he's always doing all this paperwork that when he hears the crowd cheer outside his office, it gives him that extra minute of time to look up from what he's doing to see what happened in the game. <laughs> uh, well, my first question is, are you sure he doesn't have George Costanza's old office with the delay and what have you? But but actually, believe it or not, when I, when on, I try to watch games from home when it's like, just Monday night football, Thursday night football, when it's a one-off, okay? And we're all remote when it's a one-off. But when it's, you know, Sundays and it's eight, ten games, it's craziness, we're in person. But when I do watch, let's say, Thursday night football from the office, and we have all those TVs at the office, I set it up like a um, old-school uh, 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 electronic warehouse TV stations, like literally live time here, 10 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, 
And literally, so I can see the injury, the second angle, the, you know, oh, I missed it. And then I can look at, pick my TV to watch to, to do that. So I do kind of use that trick a little bit. And I, and I, I could totally uh, see that. But we'll sidebar a little bit before we get back to football. Obviously, football season is starting. You mentioned Yankees. You're meeting with the CEO, whatever judge and rizzo any thoughts or whatever i mean we said all along judge is not right and it's gonna look he beat our timeline back we said there's no way he's playing in the all he's after the all-star break for sure and we said we don't think he's playing until august now he beat that by a couple days but it was play a day dh don't play play don't play and he's still not aaron judge because the turf toe is a big deal on the back power foot or is my 10 year old you know, all-star baseball dad, proud dad, uh, the back foot is squished the bug, right? And that's up on your toe. <laughs> and uh, that's a big deal uh, for Aaron Judge. And I think that's still going to be a while for him. Especially with all that body weight. He's such a huge man. Judge, prior to last night's game, which was Monday night, was hitting 185. He had two hits last night. Maybe there's some, the issue is going to be if he has to make any kind of adjustment to his swing because it's going to make up for what's going on with that back toe as anyone who covers sports knows the reason people hate the home run derby players alter their swing for the home run derby the reason people hate all those kind like the three-point contest people think they go in slumps because it hurts their motion those are the issues that those injuries as you know could lead to further issues down the line now, Aaron Judge is a great player. The Yankees go way further for their issues than Aaron Judge. They need a lot more hitting, players that get on base, players that don't just hit home runs. Aaron Judge might have to get surgery in the offseason on the toe, um, but it looks like at this point he's grinding it out, trying to make a playoff push. The more alarming issue was Anthony Rizzo. Yes. How Anthony Rizzo was not diagnosed with a concussion for two months. Dr. Chow, I had a concussion when I got taken out at a football game back in 2017, I think the year was. I remember the I went a week without really, I knew I didn't feel right the next day. You know me though, I was grinding, I was still working. It was football, it was Saturday. I, that was high school football on a Friday. Got hit, I got back up, definitely felt the whiplash, just didn't really feel like my head was hurting and I'm prone to headaches and migraines. Then the next day I started having some headaches, but I just figured it was like a little whiplash and I was driving around, didn't feel great. So I went back to the studio. I said, I'm not going to drive today. Sunday through Friday, Sunday through Thursday felt fine, but I was going Thursday night football to the Ravens game in Baltimore, drove from North Carolina to Baltimore, which is about five and a half hours. I got to Baltimore and my head was spinning and I just did not feel right. And, of course, went to the game anyway. It was like, you know, man up, Ariel. You got this. Don't worry about it. Which is what Anthony Rizzo, I'm sure, was trying to think and feel, too. Come Friday, Saturday, my head starts hurting again. I go to the doctor. This is all within one week of me getting hit by the football player. I go to the doctor, and he goes, listen, obviously, it's been a week, so it's not necessarily easy to tell if you have a concussion. You just do have post-concussion-like symptoms. It was probably a mild concussion. Because I didn't hit my head directly. I went more whiplash, like butt first, back, neck whipped kind of thing. But 
Anthony Rizzo probably just said, you know, it's not too bad, which is how I felt. It wasn't too bad. wasn't the worst headache I ever had. It just was uncomfortable for a week. Well, and it, it didn't start right away. It started like five days later when I kept pushing it. So that's kind of where the issue was. But you just would think with all these doctors that are around him all the time, is it just because he didn't say anything? Like, I, that's the part that confuses me. Well, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, the first thing, obviously, the rule number one on an NFL sideline is you have to move laterally. Going backwards, there's no way you can get out of the way of anybody. <laughs> it's like it's like the bull, the the uh, the bullfighter. It's got to be to the side. You can't beat the bull uh, uh, by going backwards. As far as Rizzo's concussion thing, look, you're right. Uh, it is very hard to believe uh, that he went that long. And the words cognitive impairment are very concerning. And look, we've said this at six score, like his season's got to be done basically. And who knows about career? Not sure. Hope not. But if you have cognitive impairment two months after the injury, that is a significant deal. And, and in real time we saw, because they were playing the Padres, right? And so there's more hometown interest for me, son. And, and Tatis at first base is the one. And, the team sent me the video immediately, and I was like, oh, I thought it actually it was his head. And then they were reporting knee and wrist, and I was like, oh, okay. And the reports are they checked him for concussion. It is totally believable that you don't exhibit symptoms of a concussion. The question early on, right, it, there's no two concussions the same. You could be knocked out for 30 seconds, wake up and have nothing, and everything is fine, or you can feel fine and 30 minutes or a week later have headaches and other situations. So I'm not critical that he was checked and put back in after a couple days kind of thing. But it is weird. How did it go so long? The question is, did he just brush it off and think he was okay and didn't report it? Was he checked and he had no symptoms? I would assume the doctors and athletic trainers were following up. It's fairly standard. I mean, in the famous Tua incident from last year, the NFL very clearly uh, stated, Chief Medical Officer Alan Sills very clearly stated that after the initial concussion in Miami on Sunday, after he was put back in the game, he was checked later Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday football before allowed so to be played on Thursday. Nowadays, football is so much more uptight and aware about all these head issues, especially the way that Tuatunga Veloa went down that day. Some other sports, maybe because it's not as concussion-based. Baseball's really not a concussion-based sport unless you're hitting the head with a baseball. People don't think about it in the sport. Yeah, that may be, but, or you know, you in somebody, the world of sports medicine, there's a lot. I, I, I don't know the circumstances of what happened there, but, you know, if it turns out he wasn't checked or there was a mistake made, I'd be the first to speak out. But there's no indication of really what happened there. But we do know it's not good for Anthony Rizzo. And a great result is he recovers to be fine for next season. I, I don't he see needs him to find all my massage therapist from North Carolina who helped relieve my concussion symptoms after like I I'm telling you, I had it was the worst feeling I had probably up to like six months where I just felt this weird pressure in like the part of my head that connected my lower part of my head to my neck. 
And I finally found this man who was this massage therapist in North Carolina, who after two months of working with him, he would just like always alleviate that, like whatever was in that area, he always found the right spot that like alleviated a lot of the pressure that was there. And after like a month of using him, like it started to go away. But I could see how he, Anthony Rizzo, got checked the first time. Listen, I could have been checked for a concussion the night that that all happened. And I was able to walk straight. I drove back. My head wasn't hurting. It wasn't until a few days later where all those real concussion symptoms started. No question. It's very, very hard. I mean, the the, the difficulty is right now that the NFL has is, is the fans wanted to be perfect. But literally... Here's my analogy, and maybe this will make sense to you, and, and it's an old-school analogy. Literally, look, I was the orthopedic guy, so I wasn't the guy examining the concussions. But as the head uh, chief medical officer, the head team physician, they reported to me, so I knew what they were doing. So the pressure wasn't on me, but literally it's very hard because literally you're asked to and follow this analogy. The, the team doctors that do concussions, and I wasn't one of them, are asked to judge the temperature of Goldilocks porridge an hour later without touching or tasting it this minute. I mean, because, you know, it's literally that hard. Like you're looking at it, trying to look at the temperature. Do I see steam or is it whatever? You can't poke someone's brain. You're trying to elicit symptoms. And even if you put a guy back when he's completely clear and passes, but he gets symptoms after the game, you're a bad guy. If you pull a guy at the exact right moment and he has no symptoms, you're the bad guy for the team or the player. If you put a guy back in because he really didn't have a concussion and he takes a hit later in the next quarter and it's unrelated to the first hit, you're a bad guy. It's always judging in retrospect what really happened. And, you know, think of the poor spotters that have to buzz down. You didn't buzz down when you should have or you buzz down too many times and you're stopping the flow of the game, right? And, yeah. and it's all in real time, and it's very, very difficult uh, having lived it. And here's an example. So I don't know what happened with Rizzo. So let's talk a little football now. Let's start with your team, the Ravens, okay? Oh, boy. Let's start with the latest Ravens, Odell Beckham. You know, first of all, there's the coming off ACL, and uh, you probably know we're actually very high on him. I actually drafted drafted him for my Scott Fish League. Why? Because he's 18 months from his second ACL. That's a lot of time. And so a couple of things he talked about. He talked about if he didn't get hurt in the Super Bowl, he would have had, what, 15 catches and 250 yards. Maybe. I mean, we actually thought he would do well in Super Bowl. And at six score, we said uh, pick him for MVP at plus 1,800 First half, he was on his way. Obviously, second quarter ACL derailed all of that. But what do you make of this recent thing? Do you think he was injured or not? And I guess my real question to you, and you can take a pass if you want. I won't hold you to it. How? What do you think of your head coach and how he deals with injuries with the media and what he says and doesn't say? What is your thought on that? First, the Odell Beckham Jr. injury scare they talk about in training camp. The Ravens are going to be so cautious with him. They're going to be cautious with Bateman. They're going to be cautious with their running backs. Training camp preseason has bitten the Ravens so badly the last few years with injuries. They're going to do all they can to save everyone for as many weeks as they can into the regular season. Even last year, the Ravens weren't playing 
J.K. Dobbins for the first month of the year when he kept saying he was ready. The Ravens said, nope, not yet. Nope, not yet. It's true because eventually he came back and he was hurt again. The Ravens are going to be super cautious with someone like Odell Beckham Jr., who they didn't really pay a lot of money for. However, they're going to need wide receiving depth because aside from Isaiah Flowers, who everyone's been raving about as a rookie, still a rookie. I'm not going to buy into rookies until I see what they do on a real NFL field starting game one. Rashad Bateman was supposed to be who the Ravens were going to be like, oh my gosh, he's our number one. He's amazing. And he's been hurt. Um, so Adele Beckham Jr., hopefully he could be like an Anquan Bolden, who is that veteran wide receiver presence that helps them make a deep run in the playoffs. When it comes to the way that the Ravens uh, head coach, John Harbaugh, speaks about injuries, obviously frustrating when he doesn't disclose anything. He's been there a decade. I'm I'm of the belief, show me what you can do. You don't have to tell me. I'm a huge John Harbaugh fan. He has made the Ravens a playoff contender every year. He's been part of a Super Bowl. He transitioned this team out of a Super Bowl team with their quarterback, Joe Flacco, into not only a new quarterback, into a new offensive system. The offensive system works if Lamar Jackson stays healthy. They've been at the top of the division until Lamar Jackson gets hurt at the end of November, beginning of December every year. If Lamar can stay healthy, this team has been successful, and that's changing your entire organization from where John Harbaugh found it as a defensive organization with Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, and switching that over to an offensive team that now, I mean, granted, I love our defensive players. I love Patrick Queen. Um, I wish they had more depth in their uh, cornerback position. However... This is an offensive team now, and whatever John Harbaugh wants to do um, with keeping injuries quiet, so be it. Um, obviously, it's still super frustrating when you would like to just know info, but that's more frustrating for you than it really is for me because as a fan, I really try to avoid betting on the Ravens. Um, I, I try to avoid drafting them in fantasy. I try to avoid betting on them unless my friends who are sharp bettors tell me it's the right move. Um, otherwise, I never handicap Ravens games because I'm more of an angry fan with the Yankees and the Ravens, those are my teams. Parents are from New York and Maryland, that's why. Um, but I'm an angry fan. I'm not a loyal fan. I mean, I'm loyal, like I'm your fan forever. But like, I'm not like a, I'm not going to go sit at Yankee Stadium right now and root for them to win. I'm, I'd rather just do something else because I'm angry. So that's the way that I am. So if I was to draft my team or bet on my team, if they lose, I'm going to be double angry and that's just bad for everybody. So either I bet against my team to hedge my happiness or I just root for my team. Well, one of our favorite props last year was JK Dobbins under for the season. And that ended up being pretty easy. Um, and one of our favorites this year to show that I'm not a Ravens hater is Odell Beckham over 575. I think he can be well. quite healthy, but as far as your head coach, let me say this. I don't know John Harbaugh at all. I know his brother, Jim, fairly well. I don't know John at all. I like John Harbaugh as a head coach very much. I think he's very smart. I like what he does to protect his team in terms of injuries and being coy and with the media. I like it. I respect it. In a lot of ways, I actually like what he does for us because it gives us a chance to interpret coach speak. Like if he just went and told the world, 
Lamar Jackson's not coming back the rest of this season because of the PCL, and we'll see about the playoffs. I would have nothing to talk about and said it every week last year at the end of the year. Oh, it's Wednesday. We're hoping he practices. He's looking better, better and better. We'll see. And then Friday ruled out, right? It gave me stuff yeah. to talk well, about and, for and four that's straight the thing weeks. Too, which is what worried me about the Ravens last year. I feel a little better based on what my Baltimore people tell me about how energy has been for the most part at training camp this year. It's a very different vibe than it was last season. Just everyone seems way more or way less on edge about the Lamar Jackson situation with the contract and whatnot. Um, and I think Lamar was not acting like himself either the whole season because he knew what was coming. Um, but I, you saw the Ravens organization not able to protect themselves for the first time. Usually the Ravens are really good at covering up any issues internally. You very rarely hear about the internal issues in Baltimore. I love Ozzie Newsome when he was GM. I love the owners like Bashadi. I love John Harbaugh. Last year, it got out of control to the point they couldn't even protect their image anymore with the whole Lamar Jackson situation that ensued at the end of the year. Um, I think it was a lot of issues between the two, like more emotionally than it was about a Lamar Jackson injury. There were things I've heard Lamar Jackson did off the field that contributed to him not being successful and healthy on the field. It's one thing if you're injury prone, it's another when you're not working to stay healthy the way that the organization feels is the right way to stay healthy. And you would know that firsthand if your mindset versus the team's mindset is a different way for staying healthy. Um, but I think that there was just a lot of butting heads and hopefully the Ravens have gotten through those issues, worked with Lamar Jackson to all get on the same page. Now that he has his money and his contract, let's get past what happened last season. No, we're actually optimistic on the Ravens. We're actually high on the Ravens uh, based on their health. The issues, of course, linger at wide receiver. There's some wide receiver issues and some DB issues. But overall, relatively optimistic on your Ravens. And and we'll send this to you. I have the producer, guys, uh, our preseason injury preview. And then we have something new this year called Sick Data that gives you all the breakdown individual positions. And literally, literally okay, for fantasy, it makes sense before you pick, decide on which running back to play to know the health of your offensive line and to know the health of the defense front defensive front seven that you're facing that week. Right. That would make mm -hmm. sense. And obviously for what you do a lot of, which is prop betting, it'll be uh, it's one factor for you to consider. Look, uh, if you like a running back this game, and then you see that, the run defense of the opponent is actually low yeah. in their six score. You might do two units or three units or go harder on it, or uh, it's just one factor in all the things that you look at. So I we'll love you. I love using it. I used it for the last few years, Dr. Chow, especially for things like the run game, because offensive linemen is something we don't, I don't typically think to check when associating my numbers with props. When I look at props in football, I look at who has a bad run defense, who's bad against the run and the pass that's going to benefit a pass catching running back, uh, like receiving yards versus running backs is a huge market I love to target. So that's when I start looking at the DBs. I start looking at weak side linebackers. I start looking at all these different positions that if you're able to tell me if that position's hurt, which you do, I can see, okay, who does that guy usually go after. And that's why like last year, for example, I forget who it was on the Saints, 
but one of their DBs got hurt. And the Saints were one of the best defenses against tight ends all year until that DB got hurt. And I saw on your website every week that as long as he was hurt, tight ends were going to excel. The second he came back, I was able to start pounding those unders again on those tight ends. Those are those things that you should look at on your site for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, thanks for joining us. I know you're in the midst of baseball season already, and we're already talking football and excited for that. Thank you for Thanks for taking the time and congrats on your success. And on the way out, is there anything else you want to talk about or anything? It's, the floor is yours. Uh, no, just everyone check out PointsBet Sportsbook. I've got my own podcast, Bases Juice for Baseball, going to be on PointsBet all football season long as well. Um, and then MLB Network, I do off base 4 p.m. Eastern time, and I do a bunch of different gambling hits on there. So make sure to tune in. All right. Thanks a lot, Ariel. Appreciate your friendship and your coming on. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back with part two of the Pro Football Doc Sports Injury Central podcast. All right. Let's roll on with part two of the Pro Football Doc Sports Injury Central podcast. Thanks to Ariel Epstein for joining us there. She's actually super busy right now because of baseball and uh, heading into football, obviously. She's been a friend of Sports Injury Central for a while. Good to have her on. Little change of scenery, venue, better internet, and more in the studio here for this part. Um, I got to figure that out at the other office. Uh, even that Brandon Marshall, uh, I am athlete, got a little. I, I ended up doing it for my cell phone in the podcast. No, really. I need I need tech help. <laughs> We're trying as best we can, Doc. I know. All good. All right. So I've been busy day today. The uh, the uh, part of the fam is a way to, to go to Taylor Swift. Um, oh, really? So blah, blah, blah. And we were just talking about how that's a, a whole economy now. Da- Daddy daycare, you know how that goes. So I haven't kept up with Twitter, nothing today. So educate me what's happening out there and let's chat. Lead it oh, away. Uh, Kareem Hunt was apparently going to sign with the Saints, uh, Diana Rossini reported, and then uh, got a call or visit request from the Colts. So now he's going on to the Colts, and we'll see where, what happens from that. But the flip side of that is Jonathan Taylor's rehabbing away from the team at training camp now for his ankle um, in the latest saga. That's It's funny that there's no mention of back now. I mean, back was the big – or they're going to put him on NFI because of his mystery back injury, and he tweeted that there was no back injury. So – now it seems to be just ankle, but yeah, I mean, you talked about this before, Doc, right? Is this is this an example of holding in? Well, I mean, that's the question. I mean, all I can say is, look, maybe Jonathan Taylor's ankle is legitimately injured. Don't know. There shouldn't be lingering effect based on what we look at from last year to this year. Is this his way of holding in? No, it's not my back. You can't NFI me for my ankle because I hurt my ankle last year. And it's now my choice to rehab away from the team and this, that, the other. Is this a way to hold in, so to speak? He reported to get what he wants. Is is he following uh, J.C. Treader's advice, right? J.C. Treader, the uh, Players Union president, talked about getting additional leverage, right? Uh, don't know, right? It's interesting. And is the team saying, Kareem Hunt, let's bring you in to put pressure on Jonathan Taylor? Or, and is Kareem Hunt trying to put pressure on the Saints to up their deal because I'm going to go to the Colts? Right. 
There's a lot of angles. <laughs> There's a lot of different angles. Um, I don't know if I've ever told the story on the podcast, and I won't say who, but uh, uh, teams, it's not beyond teams to do this. Back in the day, I won't even give the year, Pundit said the Chargers were going to draft a running back at the top first round. It was not LT, but it was a year that, you know, they were, we're mid first round selection and you have the, the, the visits, right? And the visits are usually for a reason. Need more medical, or we never saw them at combines as a free agent, or we want to get to know them a little more. Now I was never involved in the decision-making on who, but there were ones that were being flown in just for me to look at medically. And, uh, I go to dinner. I did used to go, I liked the restaurant besides being friends with the proprietor, uh, Seau's in Mission Valley. It's a nice place. Sushi sports bar kind of place. So here's a first round draft pick that we get flown in. And of course, anytime you fly them in, there's reports of the fly in and, it's reported by everyone. Yeah, the Chargers are interested in this running back. See, I told you so. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's there having a burger with the running backs coach. No OC, no head coach, no GM, nobody else. Here's a prospective first-round draft pick having dinner at Seahouse. Now, I like Seahouse, okay? But this was not Morton's. Right. This was not whatever. <laughs> and it was just the running back coach. That guy was never going to get drafted by us. Yeah. Yeah. We were just sending out the smoke signals so the world would see and know that, hey, yeah, you're right. That's who they're interested in, you know, for the misdirection. So is Cream Hunt really going to Indianapolis or is this leverage on Taylor? Does he even want to go to Indianapolis? I don't know. It's just how the game is played is all. So we'll just all play along and, and watch and see. But I, I just chuckled. I was like, yeah, this kid's not. <laughs> no disrespect to the kid or the running back coach. There's no way they were doing that. I had a question time. on Taylor, though. There's a whole different coaching regime there. Isn't it hurting himself by not being there? And, and I know from a player's perspective, a lot of them probably are like, get your bag, do your thing. But like I, Devontae Adams mentioned that he's not happy with Jacobs not being there. Do Are there players not happy with Taylor not being there? Well, I'm sure there are some players that are not happy that Taylor's not there. And there are some players, i.e. the running backs, that are very happy that he's not there. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, if it's purposeful, which indeed it might be, it's a calculated decision. Do you follow J.C. Treader's advice and, you know, get you get you some leverage right. or do you, you know, whatever? And who knows? I mean, I look, um, yes, it's different coaches, but it's not like, look, uh, Running back is easier than some positions to get used to and play. Okay. So maybe he feels like he's the number one guy, and, and this is his best move. I don't. I don't know what his motivation is. Maybe his ankle's really hurt. We'll leave that possibility open, but it is hard to prove one way or the other. And I don't know his agent. I don't know his background, but this is how this leverage game is played, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the different things we talked about last time. Maybe this calf strain, which shouldn't leak into the regular season much, maybe less mobile early on for Joe Burrow, is going to be the best thing to happen for the Bengals. In other words, instead of worrying about whether it's $278 million or $282 million, he just takes $278 million. You know, I mean, in that stratosphere, what does a few million dollars make a difference? He guarantees his future and, and guarantees himself against injury 
when he's ready to come back from the calf uh, injury, et cetera. And, well, and I've had that. Sorry, go on. Go on, talk. No, I've had that happen to players. Once again, I won't the name, or say the name, but one player is mad that uh, he wanted a long-term deal and the team offered him one, but his agent hadn't relayed it to him yet, and he actually got hurt. Oh, wow. And he was not happy. Um, you know, so the agent was like trying to do him a solid by saying, I'm not even going to show him this contract. This is so below. You need to come up more, right? In the meantime, yeah. how does he know that he's going to get hurt? So it wasn't, I mean, it was just the agent trying to leverage the situation, right? And, yeah. and it backfired a little bit uh, kind of deal. Uh, going on the calf, they interviewed uh, Jamar Chase, and he said he doesn't even want Burrow out there for the first couple weeks of the season. He said he doesn't – he's like, make sure you're 100%. Is that just him being safe? That's his That's his boy? Or, like, is there a possibility he does sit the first week of the season? I would be surprised if he sat the first week of the season. I mean, um, you know, they put him out there with calf tightness. Right. Yeah, in a training camp. The They're going to so, put yeah. him out there for, you know, I, I, I don't see it. I think if anything, what uh, Jamar Chase is, it's the classic Aaron Rodgers. Relax. Yeah. We don't even care. It's okay. Mm -hmm. We got it you without know. you, buddy. Yeah. Stop mm -hmm. asking. We're a good team. You know, that's what I see it as. Uh, you know, first of all, if it's true, it's a grade one calf strain. There is zero chance that Joe Burrow's not Missing. playing week yeah. one. Zero. Now, mm -hmm. we think it likely is a grade two, but I still don't think he misses week one. I mean, no offense, but this isn't Lamar Jackson running around like crazy. This is a pocket. Right. Yeah. Look, Aaron Rodgers, all that time he played with a calf strain in the playoffs and didn't run, he still was mobile in the pocket. and He still right. could get the job done. So I don't see how you don't play Joe Burrow. Now – is this a prop bet under rushing yards week one? That's a different story. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's uh, on the quarterback of on the topic of corner quarterbacks in week one. Uh, got some preseason games coming up. Uh, Thursday is the first one, I believe. Um, last Thursday what, was the first one. Last Thursday was the first one. Right? <laughs> but uh, official preseason oh, week one you. starts on Thursday. Is there at what point? I know you've laid out your expectations for Kyler Murray for the season, at what point do we start to doubt that he's even out there week one? Now? <laughs> <laughs> Is that, was that too I, quick, too soon? Sorry. No, I mean, just, just interesting, last couple the of times we talked are. about the decision to put him on PUP or not to open camp, and it seems like they, they're in no rush to take him off PUP. They're in no rush to get him under center, uh, all that stuff. I mean, so. I mean – I mean, I hate to say it, Jacob, but uh, what's the time to, to worry that he's not going to be there? Uh, when we wrote the preseason injury yeah. preview, <laughs> that's now out. I mean, nothing's changed. I mean, yeah. uh, I don't think he is. I would be, it would be an upset and surprise if he were. Um, you know, I, I, look, we know we've talked about Brock Purdy all this time. I make zero out of Brock Purdy not playing the first preseason game in terms of the status of his elbow. His elbow is not 100%. Good he's cleared for practice and not put on PUP. That means he can practice and be part of the run install and some of the past stuff. He's not throwing every day. He's clearly not 100%. There's no way in heck they're going to put him out there for a preseason game where he's unprotected in a red jersey. Well, I guess 49ers would be a yellow jersey, whatever the 
color is. Because he cocks the throw and he gets hit the same yeah. way, and now he's set back in his seat. There's no way they're putting him out there. It's one thing to put him out against air. It's one thing to put him out seven on seven or 11 on 11, but say you're not touching Brock Purdy and don't get near him. I guarantee you they're not trying to bat balls in his face or swipe at him. I don't, but I don't remember if there was video, game, but, but there was no. a play like that in Niners training camp. I think it was last week, and Shanahan was livid with the defender that he got close to Purdy's elbow. I think it, the elbow did get hit, but I don't think he was cocked to throw anything like that. It was just kind of strip sack deal. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see that, but that's what I would expect. I would expect the defenders are told, you don't get near his elbow, right? Uh, there's no point in batting down a ball. Okay, you bat it down and you weren't going to touch his elbow, but if you follow through and some right. freak thing happens, it's not good. So there's no way he's going to play in a preseason game this week. Now, because he's a young quarterback, will they put him out there? a little bit at some point this preseason it remains to be seen but i make nothing of this to say aha because he didn't play this preseason that means for sure he's not playing week one or that for sure that he is it's no no change yet uh it's a tight timeline to be ready week one that's what we said from the get-go we'll see where he's at the fantasy pros rankings purdy's now going ahead of murray um 23rd purdy 24th right now so that's good that you brought that. those are good comparison from the two because both of them might not be ready week one, but there's a chance Murray, like you said, doesn't play majority of the season, right? I have, I would have like, been the quote draft fantasy, fantasy expert. Draft yeah, expert you're, you're the draft wizard, dog. Like, my f- draft wizard, four, fourth draft ever for fantasy <laughs> teams. Uh, Scott Fishbowl. Uh, I wouldn't touch Kyler Murray this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so someone's going to take him before me. That might, but, that might be an interesting uh, one, though. Like, who would you rather have as your second quarterback in a one-quarterback league? Per, as a stash. Yeah. Uh, 100% Purdy. Well, it depends. Uh, if you're trying to stash for late season, you could argue Kyler because of the running and, you know, uh, yeah. format. Although but, he won't say you have a week seven by or week eight by. From Murray this year, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, for week one, 100% Brock Purdy. Right. Week five, Brock Purdy. Week 15, different story, maybe. <laughs> yeah. A lot of season happened between then now. Actually, yeah. Uh, there is one less preseason game. Does that affect anything as far as teams rushing people to get into the third game just to get some action? I mean, like Cooper Cup hamstring, is that kind of a third week target or they're not even touching that? I think most teams treat the third week like they used to treat the fourth week. Right. Now, I haven't been around in the NFL when there was only three weeks, but I think they treat the third week like they used to treat the fourth week. And the second week is now the third week. You know, And so if any of your starters are going to see action, it's the second week, and it's limited, and that's it. Right. I'm, I'm that's just flashing kind of back to when, you, when we're talking about Thursday games and you're saying Saturdays, Monday. Sunday's Tuesday. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's what it sounds like. But the other thing to, to, to remember here is the rosters are different. There's one cut. Right. Yeah. So you now have more guys. It used to be the problem with that fourth game is that you don't have enough guys. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can't sit you on your starters. Yeah. yeah. But now you have your whole complement of 90 until, until the end. So I think you'll see more sitting. No, I think I think that's going to be a big uh, watch from Twitter and just the Twitter community. It's like, oh, is Dobbins going to get a preseason game in? It's like, does, does it matter? 
So what do you guys think? Is is Odell Beckham hurt or not hurt? He's not hurt. He's not hurt. <laughs> he's making he's making tip catches in the end zone. He's not hurt. He's, he's, on, a rep, he's on a rep count, right? You heard of John Harbaugh. He's on a rep count. Yeah, maybe maybe you can maybe you can uh, enlighten us what that means, Doc. What what is a rep count for a guy a year and a half off of ACL in training camp? Uh, it's called a vet count. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not a rep count. You can leave. Yeah. <laughs> It's a yeah. rep. It's a vet count, not a rep count. Can we say that? That's yeah, that, count, that counts fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, just want to mention we're still on top of baseball. All the latest, um, including the uh, Rangers' third baseman broken thumb. He's out six weeks. Going to need surgery. I know Taylor's a big Phillies guy this time of year. So Brandon Marsh with his knee. We're going to have the latest on that. Um, yeah. On the website and sick insights. Do, do we oh, ever get better video or slow motion? How do you break your thumb when it's inside the glove? Did it slip out of the glove? What happened? I, I, I don't know what to tell you besides he got hit squarely on the thumb. It happened maybe, while he's in maybe, the glove and he was shaking it after. I know. We, we do need, we do need the video because maybe he was closing the glove too early and it hit right on the tip. Could that break it? Maybe I haven't worn a baseball glove recently enough. I mean, just, you know, random glove with my son. But, like, there's so much protection there. Yeah. Like, I, I, I doubt they're hitting 120 mile an hour rockets at third base. So, <laughs> yeah, but it's a little different. I, I think even 120 mile an hour rocket, I think it's hard to break your thumb. That's why I'm just curious. He was playing back. It's not like he was bunt depth. So he was behind yeah, third but, base. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's got a different glove. Maybe yeah. some, I don't know. I'm not doubting that it's broken. I'm not doubting. No, it's just a, a freak saying, incident. Definitely. That seems. Yeah different than normal when's the yeah. last time you heard of someone breaking a finger or a thumb inside a glove not often it's usually outside the glove gets stepped on it, or it's usually when slide and it, yeah outside yeah well i'll tell you the only thing i have a hand um hook of the hammock for a catcher right because there's no padding there but thumbs have padding That's everywhere I don't, I don't know all right uh, Piece of the week is can anybody beat Jose Ramirez with the uh, the ducking right right hook to Tim Anderson? I mean, how did he see where to go? I mean, pure luck. I mean, that was a flail. That, that was, was a, it was a, it was a short guy fight technique. He ducked into him and then he just <laughs> went over top with the right hand. <laughs> he knew he had to reach up to get him. <laughs> He's a bigger dude, so that punch was going to hurt more too. So yeah. he only had one in him. So. <laughs> Well, the only interesting thing is I don't remember often that you you see hockey, you know, the whole drop your gloves and put up. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, that yeah. Was, uh, you don't see that often. He left the middle. He he backed up like it was like a UFC fight. He was like, I'm going to let them fight. Do, do, do you blame him? No, no I wouldn't put in it either. He's not getting paid enough to jump in the middle of that. Here's where, where I don't blame him. Okay. If one guy was coming at him and he left he'd say oh come on you're trying to you got to be the voice of reason right um both postured up dukes yeah right <laughs> i mean if i were the third party there i'm like and both i'm like all right i mean who am i saving you both want to go at it <laughs> right? somewhere, it's one yeah. thing if one guy doesn't have his hands up and i'm in there to save or both are just yelling at each other and i'm separate right. they both put up their dukes yeah Aren't they kind of saying get out of the way? I don't blame them. He read the situation. He's not paid enough to do that. But, <laughs> you know, 
I don't know. I, I, I always think um, these, okay, the NBA, obviously, good on them. You can't leave the bench. And if you go into the stands, you're done, right? Malice right. at the palace. I get it. Football has a rule. You can't leave your bench area. You can't enter the fray. And we talked about it when uh, who was a linebacker for the Rams, the streaker, the the fan on the field of the protest. Oh, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner. Like, yeah. I'm like, he left the box to give him the forearm share. But yeah. it's one thing the guy was coming at him in the box. He left. He wanted his Instagram moment, I think, on that one. Yeah. Well, I mean, the protester didn't belong there, so that's fine. But I'm just saying mm -hmm. it was interesting that that uh, uh, what he's saying there. And and to me, there's a very simple, you know, uh, look. They allow everyone to leave the bench in baseball because they feel like that's the easiest way to diffuse. Yeah. So everyone walks away with their pride intact. And also, you have to understand if you didn't allow it in baseball you would potentially have, like you couldn't leave your bench. It potentially is nine on one. Yeah, you're yeah. good numbered, yes, yeah. Right, so <laughs> that's why they don't change that rule about leaving the bench. And it's usually not the bench guy that gets right into the brawl, although sometimes it is. Not but, everybody comes out swinging either. They're coming like you I mean, said. I mean, I mean, how interesting would it be if they said, um, you can only come out if you're like engaging one guy so it's even. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a fine loop right I mean, that rover action yeah exactly well that, that's why they don't change that rule of everyone rushing the field because hockey you're technically not allowed to leave the bench either only the people are fighting on the ice but you know well and and to, for me my, the danger area for me was always if a scuffle happens in the bench because now yeah. you're outnumbered and your teammates yeah. feel compelled to enter the bench Mm -hmm. to help you right that's where it gets potentially ugly yeah on the field it's easy if you have a helmet on how much can they really do right <laughs> it just always cracks me up the bullpen guys running in five minutes after it starts <laughs> you the, bull, the bullpen catcher with all his gear still on too it's, it's just always good look we well, gotta get there you show support you yeah. gotta be there. you can't be missing all right anything else going on guys no, that's it. Just uh, we'll keep on uh, sick insights. We have all the latest from training camp. But Broncos had no idea we're going to get on. Bookmark sick insights. That'll be your go-to during the season. If you want to be even better than that, turn on notifications at the website. Uh, it's all free. Preseason injury preview there. Sick data, which is uh, new this year. A lot of good stuff. Uh, exciting stuff. And uh, thanks for watching. Thanks to Ariel for coming on. And uh, we'll catch you next week.